there's the two aspects to that. There is going back into the larger data set and then there's going in, into your data set. Right. So that's, there's, you know, and, personalization. and personalize, personalizing based on your patterns or what you're doing, um, but augmenting that with the larger pattern. Yeah. So, you know, that's analytics is, is you know, reporting what's going on. Machine learning is actioning on. on it's, it's full circle. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. All right, welcome back for the product growth leaders topic of the week. This week, we're talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning and their impacts on product management. Our panelists today are Greg Fenton, Jason Vincelet, Steve Johnson, and myself. And we're going to dig right into the, to what we did in the first uh, question. So let me uh, make myself make the slides bigger and make myself disappear. And, and somehow I gave myself a different room. Don't know how I did that. <laughs> so how will machine learning impact the future of product management? This was the question we posed on Friday. And uh, the first question, the first answer we got was in tech, it will begin to fulfill some of the number mundane aspects of product management. And uh, Jason came in with his dissertation talking about Yes, it could do some of those processing com components already mentioned. In the short term, it brings a challenge for software PMs to see where machine learning can be used. To, uh, I did a little duplicate there and used to solve problems that our customers have. Also, and this is where we start getting to that second part. Also, it could be used to reduce internal costs, speed up interactions. It brings product managers another solution that should be considered to solve business problems. How it needs to be tangible and work well in large data sets. So Jason, Talk to me, we, we talk a little bit about the mundane aspects of product management, but then you go into solving user problems. Yes, I was just starting to agree with the, um, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, I, I kind of try to be really quick to answer this question first thing in the week. Um, but this is one of those questions actually that I end up sitting on throughout the week thinking about um, machine learning. Uh, and so perhaps I should have waited um, well, so, but if you waited, I would have given you shit. So I know. <laughs> so you know, I can't win on this. Um, so I try to try to sound intelligent on a on a topic that's a little bit complex um, immediately, and it doesn't always work out. But um, I don't really know if product if machine learning can be addressed too much in product management, except for um, assessing markets, assessing users, assessing like. Um, usability associated with demographics and how they interact. And that's not really machine learning as much as just like using big data to find analytics. Um, as far as using machine learning to actually teach a system to do something, I think we just have to be creative from a product management perspective. Like, what can we use big data sets to um, teach? You know, what are we doing that is actually mundane that could be taught through a computer using, again, big data? Um, and, and that's key to say big data because machine learning cannot happen without large data sets. And across our industries, um, what we do and how we do it can be very, very different where the data is not um, actually homogenous. And so that's a little tricky. And so then I started going into, but um, product managers really need to think about how machine learning is evolving um, it within the uh, industry of, of what we provide to our customers. And, and always look at that aspect into optimizing that delivery and those products. Um, and so we do have to know about machine learning, but I don't necessarily think it's to speed up what we're doing in product management, which could be uh, quite unique. So with that answer there, let's go to the next dissertation, which we did get from John, who's not with us today, John Harmer. Machine learning is a tool that product managers can use to solve user problems, but it does not fundamentally change a PM's job in any significant way. If you decide that machine learning is an appropriate part of the solution to your user's problem, that's great. That means that problem solving has something to do with pattern recognition, categorization, and prediction from large amounts of data. 
of product leaders may need to brush up on their math and statistics skills to get the most out of machine learning. If the question is about machine learning to actually do our jobs or assist us in our jobs, that is different story altogether. Perhaps something in a pattern recognition or prediction could be helpful. If we ever got data sets large enough to be useful, but some, so much product is judgment and nuance, I'm not sure machine, a machine could do it well. Steve, you, you I'm assuming your, your answer was a response to John's because you said you were once told by a product management consultant that AIML would replace product management entirely. Actually, let me, do, let me bring this up because I know you guys are trying to read it and you can't. Uh, Next slide. Yes. I was once told by a uh, product management consultant that AIML would replace product management entirely. I guess nuance and judgment are not part of his view of product management. Talk to me about where you see, where's the balance in that? Uh, how much is nuance and judgment versus how much would data sets help us streamline in th those mundane tasks? Well, I think the, the issue is, back to Jason's point, is where's the big data? <clears throat> you know, uh, his point was that software will become self-learning. You know, it starts doing things like, I see that you always make your slide one fourth of the screen and then you make your image one fourth of the screen. And having done that three or four or 40 times, I've set up an option for you to set your screen that way. That would be brilliant, right? Um, I, as I look at product isn't that a little and, too Space Odyssey, though? How so? The, the machine learning everything. What, that's not how you do it. <laughs> well, anyway, my point on, on big data is where's the big data? Yeah, I you mean, have to have the data. Right. So, you know, it's like uh, people say, oh, you should be A-B testing all the pages on your website. You're like, well, how do you do A/B testing when you have 25 visitors a day? Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're, you know, Google, right? So you got to have the big data to find the pattern. Now, I do wish. I mean, there are there are some really practical data sciencey sorts of things that I'd love to have, like uh, if I had transcriptions of my interviews and I had, say, 20 interviews transcriptions, being able to run that through pattern matching and having the AI find patterns that I did not see. I mean, I'm doing that by eyeball now. Yeah. But I, at this point, I, I, I find it difficult to fathom that the AI could say, so therefore, no, no. I'm sure it could say, here's a workflow that makes more sense. Yep. I'm, it, it can't say this workflow makes no sense. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, it tends towards uh, common wisdom may not apply, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it's, 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 anyway, it's, his point was, and I'm not arguing his point, but his point was the machine can learn how you use the product and then update itself accordingly which has a whole bunch of false assumptions at the beginning. That is that you're not trying to use a hammer as a screwdriver. Yeah. Well, right? and it, to me, if, if, if Greg had the software and Jason had the software, we had the software, I had the software, each of us use it differently. Will it update all these different stems and then where does control come from? Mm -hmm. Greg, it looks and like- yeah, you, you know, it could very well be, I mean, like product usage, for instance, seems a wonderful place for machine yeah. learning. Uh, th there's a, a, right. a terribly delightfully old story, WordPerfect version three. So only a few of us are old enough to go back there. But anyway, WordPerfect version three, in their beta program, they put in a log of every single non-typing thing you did. You know, did you bold? Did you italic? What menu options did you choose? How did you use the product for anything other than typing? And to be in the beta program, you had to agree to send your log when you were done. And they were surprised to find that 90% of the people who use WordPerfect never choose 
quit. Hmm. Now, an AI would look at that and say, well, we should just remove the quit option from the file menu. What was happening, you know, now we need some observations. So the product managers went and observed and what was happening was at the end of the day on a DOS machine, they would close the document they were working on, reach over and just flip off the switch for the whole computer because there was no shutdown routine in those days. Mm -hmm. uh, as likewise, only 10% of customers ever printed. And they're like, should we remove print? Print, yes. Well, here's what was happening. In those days, laser printers were $5,000 and only one person in the office had it, your admin. So you would save the file to a floppy and walk it over to your admin's desk What's and a say, floppy? would you please print this for me? <laughs> so, um, you know, you're so, talking about observational, you know, it's observational that you're looking at as opposed to just pure. Exactly. Parts. And it's the combination of the both. I, I took so a there's a persona aspect and there's a usage aspect, but the raw data lacks judgment. See, I took a class in business school called marketing science or something like that, marketing engineering. And what they wow, talked about- two terms you never hear together. No, you don't. And, and what they talked about, first day of class- like fights inside that class or something? <laughs> well, it was talk about how do you use statistics and, and conjoint analysis and other things to make marketing decisions. And the professor quoted a study I've never been able to find. It's maybe it's one of those studies that should exist, but never does. It says the success rate of decisions made purely on gut was like 30%. The success rate of decisions made purely on analytics was like 45%. And the success on decisions made with analytics and gut was like 75%. And it, it resonates with me. I could see that being the truth. Again, I don't have the full, you know, I could never find the, the, the <coughs> I, you know, me in sourcing, Steve, I could never find the source for that. What were you going to say, Greg? Well, that's where, that's where you, you know, the value of actually having customer experience people um, with the team, um, because you can't rely just purely on data. It's a great, it's a great benchmark to look at something, especially around behavioral stuff. But then you have to kind of stand back and go, wait a minute, is what is this really telling me? And how am I affecting my, my uh, customer experience? And then, and then go from there. So, you know, at, at your point is that, you know, the print function at that time, you, the observation, the external observation with using what I'll call alternative data is that, oh, by the way, it, it is very expensive to print. And that's, you know, that's, that's that extra data that you need to come in and, and part of that judgment of what you're doing with the product. Yeah. And maybe they should have actually done something instead of print. Maybe they should have added another function and said, by the way, email this to my admin or mm -hmm. to designators, things like yeah. that. And th those are observational stuff that, that, that is absolutely you're necessary. You're never going to get that. You're yeah. never going to get that. Agreed. Well, yeah. And, and that's, you know, and I think that, you know, the, you're trying to answer the why question, why is somebody doing something based on the data and, and, you know, those, and that's tough to pick out from just pure data. Um, but you I, know, you know that, to Jason's point really is that it is absolutely critical to have, you know, a large data set in order to do any type of machine learning aspect, which is a little bit different than, you know, natural language processing, which is different than artificial intelligence. Yeah. Just, you know, we should be really clear about what, which one is what. Right. Yeah. But Greg, I want to amplify a point you made, and that is machine learning, big data, AI, whatever, none of them understand why. And they don't no. care. So, so here's, I remember I took a data sciences class, and one of the examples they use is that Walmart sells more blueberries when it's 70 degrees than they do than when it's 75 degrees. Mm -hmm. And based on that insight from data science, they say if the temperature is 70 where that store is, we recommend to the store owner to move the blueberries or the blackberries to the front of the store. Right. Right. We don't know why 
more berries are sold at that temperature and we don't care. We just know the weather forecast says it's gonna be 70 today. So we need to make sure my store has a lot of blackberries or blueberries, whichever one I started the and story with. And that's why I say that, that addition of like that alternate data of, you know, cause it wasn't just pure, you know, what are people buying at any given one store? It was all this other data that came in that added to the solution that you're coming mm -hmm. up with. And as a product person, what you're trying, you know, you're, you're at the end of the day, you're trying to solve the what, what are we trying to accomplish? And then you're using a whole pile of tools to help solve how I'm going to accomplish this. And then you're always circling back and saying, okay, wait a minute, did that actually give me what I wanted? And then, and then again and again, mm -hmm. and you know, there was some statistic that so many, you know, machine learning projects fail in in a lot of the cases it's not it's not a clarity of what we're trying to solve or you know it didn't solve what i wanted it to do which is okay you know it's that's yeah. fine you know that's part it's of the you know the experimentation is that you know yeah. we tried to use a tool we tried to use all this and it really didn't solve the problem we were trying to to accomplish mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's and that's good failure is good because you learn from that as long as you're oh. learning from failure and jumping on that point, the same was true 20 years ago and maybe one year ago with software. Yes. Right? How many software projects did we begin that we actually finished and actually delivered what we expected? And one thing that was disturbing to me in my data science class was there was no reference made anywhere to product manager. Yep. And for me, data science is just another form of development. It's just that in software development, you create data. And in AI or machine learning, you leverage existing data. But other than that, it's programming. Yeah. So, it's not uh, C sharp, it's Python. So I yeah. would say that data science, you're trying to come, you're trying to validate a hypothesis. Is data yeah. science is really doing that? Mm -hmm. um, you have a hypothesis about why people are buying more blueberries in the store and now you're trying to validate why are they doing that with data science the you know machine learning is a very different thing the you know where is the placement of that of those blueberries best based on your observational data that comes in from cameras blah blah all that all the all this other stuff is that maybe you would have you know you can test with machine learning of different placement of things to increase performance. And that's where, you know, that's where that, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? Hey, okay, we know this now, how do I actually increase it better? Right. And that's so where I, I can I, use I, machine I learning for that. I challenge you though, on the why part of that. We still don't care about the why. I know that if I put the blueberries next to the cash registers, they don't do as well as when I put them next to the rain umbrellas and i don't care why that is true right so it's 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 a forever it's a continuous a b testing you know yeah. if we put it here numbers go up we put it here numbers go down so let's just put it here right but it's all it, but it never cares why that's true it, it's just embrace the, it, what happens it's it's uh operational data that's not particularly, yeah. that, well, it's operational. Let me, let me get finally to, to, to a ending point of this is I don't see that product managers have big data. I don't see that we, I mean, we're not informed by operational data. What we're looking at is what new product should we build or what new persona should we serve when we can't I don't see where the data might be that we could do that pattern matching from operational data that we're seeing. Well, and I, that's where I think that, you know, the difference now with a product manager that is now working on machine learning products, you, you really do need to understand data. Yeah. Where I did the data that. come from, the validity of your data um, and also the, and I wrote in, in, in the comments that Grant will get to eventually is the ethics of the output. 
Yeah. Well, uh, it, indeed. And understand, you know, so you can actually now, as as you have more and more data that's flown into these models, and and kind of as a product manager, you're understanding, you know, to a, a good extent what the models mean. You're not expected to write the models. I hope not. Um, you wouldn't know. You may know the differences between a k-means, you know, nearest neighbor, or things like that, when it comes to the models. Um, but you should understand how did the data show up, what data you're missing, and then what does the output mean? So you can clearly state what is the output. So Greg, I think that when I when I listen to you, I'm thinking that's data analytics. You're looking for trends so I can make decisions as a product manager or as a consumer of that data. When we look at machine learning, it's taking that data to make repeatable, actionable items to something to automate and remove a human element to it and, and continuously feeding that machine and keep learning it to do better self-decision-making kind of decision-making process, but really just automation based on the data that's feeding into it. So I do think that there's a large value from looking at all types of data sets to product managers to see trends over time, users, whatever the attributes are to help inform kind of decisions and go back to Steve's point, why? Why is this data trend this? And, and, and data scientists and you know, putting sources into analytics and finding those ways to provide that data to us is invaluable. However, machine learning, which is actually teaching machine continuously to do something automated that a product management product manager would normally do, I just don't see where the problem is there that that would solve, so and even for how it would or what. Or it would. any consistency in the industry on how a product manager what and how, what a product manager does and how he or she does it. Yeah. So let, let's get to the final question. And, and I made fun of Greg for jumping in at the last minute, but I actually jumped in at the last minute too. I did my answer this morning while I was putting the deck together. So I, I said, I do think that there's a big impact for solving problems in the market, but machine learning is not a panacea for all problems. And I wanna dig into that when we get to the poll about the difference between solving user problems and the providing pro productivity efficiency for a product manager. Uh, but then I wanted to, I, I do think there's a near-term impact that can help product managers process more information, especially in a solution with lots of usage, interactions, and transactions. To Steve's point, you need a lot of data to be able to do that. Whether it's improving the experience, you could see how people use it, you could see where they go, how they do it, you can you could find a way for it to start as a group. Maybe it's not Steve's usage gets optimized, it's a, everybody uses it this way, we see these trends, they go to these buttons, let's make it easier for them to, to to, to do what they do. Uh, identify cause and effect scenarios. This is a place where it's almost a troubleshooting type thing where I've seen it work is if you come to a common error, they can start recognizing things that are happening that are leading to it and maybe prevent them. Uh, or identifying, this is where I would, my big play is identifying new pricing and product opportunities and data. I know a lot of big data firms who do a ton of work for consumer product good companies, talking to them about, uh, looking through data, analyzing data, usage data, pricing data to help them optimize pricing uh, and optimize segmentation for that type of stuff. Uh, I think there's a place for it to, to help us because there's only so much we can go through if you have access to data, if you have access to transactions and to usage information, I do believe there's an opportunity for it to help product managers be more efficient and, do, and process more information. Uh, the first response we got was, you know, the use of machine learning artificial intelligence for user experience testing. Combine that with similar help in mining the data and you'll have something powerful. Danger is errors in your training models, but gives mm -hmm. an opportunity for low friction iterations, particularly if embedded in design tools and DevOps. Now I've worked in places where I've consulted with companies and I've worked in places where we use machine learning and maybe more natural language processing to that point early on type stuff. But Clean data is also the most important thing. If you can't get clean data, if you can't get good libraries to train the, the artificial intelligence and machine learning on, you're, you're up a creek. Uh, it, it does the wrong stuff. Now I'm gonna go a little sideways here and we'll get to it a little bit. I, I keep coming back to design tools, DevOps. It's about the how, how much is AI? And we talk about product management should focus on the who, the what, the why and engineering and design should figure out the how is the real answer that 
artificial intelligence machine learning is a how tool, not a product manager tool. Interesting. Can I can I do a little rant at though on clean data? You can always do a rant at Steve. So my son and I went over to Home Depot and bought our, you know, got our thing and, and went to the checkout. And and the lady looked me in the eye and I watched her type a five-digit number. And I went, wait, did you just put in a zip code? And I said, and she said, yeah. And I said, but you didn't ask me what my zip code was. And she's like, yeah, marketing is making us type this stuff in. And, every, you know, I'm tired of typing it. So I've just been typing my own zip code. And I'm like, well, why didn't you do 0000 or 9999? And she said, oh, yeah, the software won't let me do that. So they're going to open up a new store in her neighborhood. Right. There's going to be, a, you know, a Home Depot and a Lowe's and a Builder Square and a, and a, a true value within one mile of her house. But I'm still going to have to drive across town to get to Home Depot. And yet, because the developer of the tool said, I want to ensure that we don't get erroneous data, they incur they they did a worse thing and that is not obviously wrong data we are now getting false data and we can't tell until you look at it and go 99% of our customers are from this zip code and you know and even there you might go wow we really nailed this store's location <laughs> right <laughs> steve this that actually could be a great story for context right if you don't if you give somebody a, a specifications do this put these five digits in and you don't give them context for why you should do that they're going to put their own phone number in good good point and if you put, give them the context hey i need you to put these in because we're trying to track where our customers are coming from so we can plan where we could build another store or do something else where we do our promotions all of a sudden with that context that changes her oh now i know why i'm doing this good point but without that context oh why am i doing this so right Back to the answers, Greg came in literally last minute. I, I'd already left the house to go pick up my cleaning so I could have a nice clean shirt on. And I'm at and the cleaners and I get the bloop on my phone, Greg with an answer. I'm like, oh my God, let it not be one of his typical dissertations. Luckily it was not. <laughs> <laughs> and he Greg meant said, that in a respectful way. Uh, oh, completely and totally. Okay, I just didn't, if it was a dissertation, I wasn't gonna be able to get it into the slide deck. But a short answer I could. If the question is how machine learning can help product managers be more efficient, then he agrees machine learning provides the tools to assess more information, valid assumptions, markets, and future customer needs. Did you go on from there? So my my other point with that, so that's the you know the the answer to the tools, right? Yeah. So if, you know, giving us giving product managers better tools to make better judgments, got it, totally get it. It's based on data that can come in um, to help us. In, in multiple different ways. My other point was that I, where I was trying to push it towards where is the product manager fit into the entire cycle, you know, um, defining what, what the models are, things like that. That is definitely, you know, the machine learning um, specialties that come to play. You need to understand statistics and models and, and how this all works. You, you mm -hmm. really do. Um, but at the end of the day, where I'm coming from is that, you know, who is deciding, you know, explaining that what uh, what's you know what what does success mean at the end of the day and can yeah. you explain how you actually came to the answer so when you talk about like facial recognitions and things like that and you you know identifying people somebody's going to have to go and say this is how we came up with this problem and this is how we came up with this solution and this is you know this is where it came from and it may not necessarily be the engineer that does that. They can come up with what are all the parameters that we utilized for against all the data. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can modify parameters and things like that to come up with, but you know, who's actually going to be, you know, at, at the end of it, what's going to happen. It, it's almost like you have to have acceptance criteria from product management yeah. based on the who, what, why, mm -hmm. and then you can judge the output of the machine learning as right. to does it, uh, meet that acceptance criteria. And that's where, that, and I think that's where the product manager role fits nicely. Um, and you're working very, you know, this is not a, you know, 
throw it over the wall and then they throw it back. This is a cooperative type of thing all the time. And, and, and we're gonna we're gonna dig into that exact thing where the product manager's role in this is in our first open-ended question. With that, let's go, let's get to the poll. Uh and uh here I'll make it big so people can see it and get rid of me. Uh, so the poll question was, where will machine learning and artificial intelligence have the biggest impact on product management? Steve, nobody said it will replace product managers. That's good, I guess. We agree. Uh, good. The, 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 it came down to two things. It will be that tool to make product managers more productive. That's where my vote was. And or it will help solve user problems. And I actually went back and forth <laughs> on this purely because of I think there's a bigger impact for it to sol help solve user problems, but that whole vision of what is uh, the the solving user problems of AIML is really on the how side. It's in the in the engineering world, not in the product manager's job. So I stuck with, and I and once I voted, I couldn't change my vote, so it would have mm -hmm. gone back and forth uh, to either. But I, you know, I think it, I think that's where it's going to be, mostly because I see it as a tool, a how tool, not a who, what, why tool. Uh, Steve, where'd you vote? Or did you vote? Well, I'm, I did vote and I'm doing the same thing you did. I'm not sure what I answered. And as you were describing that, I was thinking about what Jason and Greg had said. Uh, I can very much see machine learning, AI, I don't know what we're calling this now, um, watching user behavior and seeing friction. Uh, so as you know, some of you know, I'm, I'm going through doing recordings of some of my courseware and uh, I can very much see that a smart program would notice that I have opened a file, exported an MP3, closed the file, opened another one, and then another one, and then another one. And leaping to, hey, product manager, I've noticed a lot of people are opening, exporting, closing 20 different files to inspire a batch export capability, which, yeah. which my software does have. You know, I used it, I, I, I did the manual process for a while and finally I went, there's got to be a better way. And it was hidden away somewhere in a menu. But um, you know, I've done all my videos, they're all ready to go. I want to drag the whole bunch into a export and say, you, you just, I, you've got the whole computer. I'm going to go watch TV. I'm going to come back in three hours and I want everything to be done. I could see how a product manager could not spot that and machine learning could. So you just made me think of a whole nother topic there. Is machine learning something that should be used for product-led growth? So understanding how people use it, the mistakes they make, and then helping create those prompts to help people use it better. I can see that. Oh I mean, my I'd God, love I'm now changing my answer again. I may go back to solving user I mean, I, yeah, and imagine if, if, if I was now getting an email saying, uh, maybe not explicitly saying, you know, I notice you're doing a lot of this. Did you know you could do that? Um, and I can't think of an example of it, but something came up the other day where Gmail, Gmail does a lot of that too. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, good point. Yeah. With, with that, that continually observing what's going on with, you know, your patterns within Gmail yeah. and, and making recommendations or modifications. Yeah. What was is that, what, is that, is that? Is that machine learning or is that um, using uh, analytics to create suggestions? Well, I think that's knock out of a database. You know, um, everybody says, have a good weekend. So as soon as you type have a, and they propose, do you want me to finish your sentence for you? Good weekend. Is that because I say it a lot or is it because everybody says it a lot? Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's where the uh, learning comes in play and, mm -hmm. and auto corrects and, you know, grammar corrects and things like that. Um, because that's that's not necessarily analytics. That's more a learning capability, making suggestions. Yeah. And having a good library of data to give you best practices, right? Yeah. Here's how things are spelled. Here's what grammar. Yeah, but are. the key there is the feedback loop. 
And when you don't accept the auto type or the, the, the spell check and you keep moving forward, that goes back into the large data set and continuously teaches that program. If we do not have a feedback loop in a machine learning scenario, then it's a one-way scenario, which means it's just analytics. Right. So and I, I agree with that. And, and, and it, there, it, you know, there's the, there's the two aspects to that. There is going back into the larger data set, and then there's going in, into your data set. Right. So that's, there's, you know, the, and, personalization. and personalize, personalizing based on your patterns or what you're doing, um, but augmenting that with the larger pattern. Yeah. So, you know, that's analytics is, is you know, reporting what's going on machine learning is actioning on, on it's, it's full circle not just yeah. and, and and that was a great you know jason when you said that it just really hit me I'm like wow that, that is really what it is the analytics is is sort of an output where machine learning is output into a new input that learns and it changes and evolves greg what was your answer did you answer the poll yeah i answered well i had the same you know conundrum back and forth but i answered actually better you know for better problems solving better problems at the end of the day Okay. Um, and, and with exactly the, you know, what we were just talking about just recently is that it is, you know, you're, you're trying to solve, you know, some, some user needs up to a point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would add on that, you know, removing of buttons and things like that, that has been tried in the past with other products is, you know, you don't use these buttons, so I'll just hide them. Um, and just auto hide them on people that that has backfired several times um in different products um so there's there's you know a certain level that you got to do yeah i would also add on to the machine learning part and i think grant you talked about it is the data part is that you have to be very careful about training data because you can you can you can build the models and you know the machine learning gets stuck on on the training data and not necessarily it gets and then it gets tripped <clears throat> up on the real data when it actually comes in. You know, and you, you've seen plenty of examples of that with, with diversity type stuff and even the, the law enforcement using it and those types of stuff. Jason, what did you vote? Uh, I think I voted, um, I usually just find out what you voted for and then I just copy it because I feel like that's probably <laughs> the safest way. You said uh, that last week too. I know. And I called so you it, on the fact that it doesn't tell is, you how anybody voted until you vote. This is machine learning interpreted as a human. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I think I, you know, I just like both. I think both of these scenarios in the middle there um, um, are, are kind of go back and forth depending on what what your what your perspective is at the time you're trying to vote on this. And so, but I did vote by the same as you in this case. Yeah. Um, even though that my kind of my rhetoric at the beginning of the week had to do more with um, solving user problems. Yeah. What well, so what I want to get into with this next. Uh, question, let me get it big for everybody to read. We talked about, right, some of the issues with machine learning and AI. There are many examples of when machine learning and AI go wrong in products, biases and other things. What is product management's role in preventing or managing this? I'd love to get, you know, Greg, I want to start with you on that one because you, you talked a bit about it a little earlier. Yeah, I think that, well, boy, this is, this is a good one. Um, you know, because in product managers, you know, ultimate role is trying to define what are we trying to accomplish? Um, and, you know, then in negotiations with, you know, the different teams is how they're going to actually, you know, execute on this. The product manager's role is continually saying, okay, what's our goal? What are we trying to get to? How are we doing this? Is it, you know, building a rule-based, you know, set of software, which, which solves many, many problems? Or is it, hey, let's, we just, let's just chug into these big machine learning algorithms um, and models um, that, that may very well be that I'm gonna try and, you know, hit a nail with a sledgehammer may not be appropriate. Yeah. I think that, you know, sitting back and saying, okay, what, what are we trying to do with the data that we know is, is that's where product manager really sits. Um, and I, I would separate Emma, you know, machine learning and AI. AI is a very different animal. Mm -hmm. um, trying to think more like a human, that's a, that's a very different animal. 
than machine learning. Yeah. Okay. Steve, your take. I'm sorry, I went down a path with Greg there that now I feel like I need to go into Wikipedia and get a better <laughs> sense of, of the difference, a, you know, AI, ML, data science, uh, uh, analytics. Uh, so I, I suddenly <laughs> feel completely incompetent in uh, the, the current world. <coughs> um, <coughs> so move on. Okay, we will move well, on. Yeah, go ahead, this Jason. Is, this is Jason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I, um, you know, we, we practice this, we have a lot of ML that we use internally and, I, and I've seen presentations on ML and I've seen, uh, you know, Google challenge that. <laughs> and I think what we would have a problem as product managers thinking about using machine learning inside of the applications they're creating is they have to continuously evaluate the value of the machine learning, um, not continuously, but, you know, over time. Is it still like most of the times we provide a feature and then we, we know the value, we position it and then we move on. But in the case of machine learning where you have this continuous program teaching users or automating something, what you wanna do is make sure that that's still providing value to the user community and also internally because a lot of machine learning is done just to kind of um, operationally you know, reduce costs and, 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 and lines of code and, uh, and things of that nature. So do that and also sampling, because once that you can get into a horrible situation, we talked a little bit about the training data, but what if you get into some, some weird anomaly where all of a sudden your machine is being learned by the wrong teacher or the wrong data? And if you don't pay yep. attention to that, what you're gonna do is have situations in your applications that are causing, um, that are causing uh, outputs that you don't want or causing behaviors that you don't want in your applications. So you have to be monitoring that. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking about when you were talking about that is just think about the case of like a chatbot. Yep. Um, and, you know, and that constant learning that the, the chatbot based on the questions and, and the answers are going and all it, it can, it can go wild. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be careful. You can't, you can't just set it and forget it on that one. Well, and, and my answer was just, for this was going to be sampling, right? You need to, as a product manager, I think it's your role to, we build that data model, the initial reference library based on data we have every once in a while you need to go back and make sure that same data is providing the same output or outcome that you're looking for because if you don't you the thing may go off in one way or the other i think well, not only that but your your environment your business environment can change drastically yeah you can get a you can get a huge customer that's on a totally new industry that you've never served before that operates kind of very differently that's now feeding the machine for other customers. And yeah. so if your environment changes, you should be looking and sampling to make sure it still stays true to what your initial purpose was for this. Even, even seasonality, ML could learn, you're, you're a place with a high summer transaction rate because of seasonality. Yeah. You turn it on in April, all of a sudden it learns all this stuff in the summer and it's yeah. making decisions for December, which are based on the wrong seasonality because it hasn't yeah. gone through the whole thing. So you get a lot of noise which may yeah. over time flatten out, but you know, it could take the wrong turn. Exactly. Uh, but to, to, to your point, and you know, it, it does go back to the sampling. And then that was that was my my take is you got we have to product management has to be the the controls to it. It's got to be the, the the boundaries and make sure that it's still getting the outcome we want. And it doesn't the the learning doesn't get past the who, what, why, and the outcomes we're looking for. Well, and and Jason, you're 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 um, you know. Uh, observation that a new business comes in at that point that that's where the product manager may say well wait a minute this is a completely new business maybe i should actually set up a completely separate product or model for that business and not and not mix them together and that that can be very valuable insight from a product point of view thinking from the customer and business yeah and a good example of that is zoom um all I'm, the teachers I, ruining the experience for us it they are <laughs> i've been using zoom for years i'm perfectly happy i don't need your crazy security i don't have kids you know zoom bombing my sessions and stuff like that uh i wonder how much they're looking at the overall data instead of the persona based data and as a teacher you know while we're at it there are a lot of requirements that I have that I don't have 
as a uh, consultant. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing classes of eight to 10 people, not 35. But yeah. if I were doing 35, you know, I'd like it to give me the option to sort my participants by their involvement. You know, are they watching? Are they surfing the web? Are they playing Xbox over here? Um, and, you know, Jason hasn't said anything for three minutes. And Grant has said something a minute ago. So I'm going to call on Jason next because he's the least engaged or whatever. Um, I don't know. For, for him to take in your move on as quickly as he did, he's very engaged. Indeed. Indeed. But what what I anyway, my, my final thought on this whole thing in terms of product management's role is, you know, a very common question I get is, should I learn to be a programmer? Should I learn to be, a, you know, should I learn to code? And my answer has always been no, uh, but maybe that's because I've been a programmer. Um, but I would certainly argue over the next decade that we all need to become skilled or knowledgeable in data science and all the flavors thereof. I, I still honestly, deep in my heart, believe that it's still a programming problem. It's just software creates data, data science leverages data, but still we need requirements. We need to know who, what, and why, yeah. not the how and the other stuff, right? But, but that, I think that, we all need to be conversant in the language of data technology the way we should be in software technology. So if we look back at when we had the conversation around backgrounds for product management, it's almost like we need somebody who can be a journalist and a data scientist to well, be I able don't to- I think I want product managers to be data scientists. I want them to, know understand to talk it. to data scientists and, okay. and data science. I get it. Well, you, you need to have a, an intelligent conversation, but not tell, right. you know, not, you may not necessarily need to do it, but you have to understand what they're talking about. I completely yeah. agree. All right, let's get to our second question. And this is <laughs> outside of the use of machine learning and AI by the FANG or FAM, FAMG, depending if it's Netflix or Microsoft, what are the most novel implementations of machine learning or AI you have seen in products? Now, Jason, you said you guys use some machine learning? Uh, we do. It really is to make the user experience a bit better just for auto-filling fields. So we do things around um, coding of invoices for like GL codes and things like okay. that. And we use uh, previous, so we take the invoice type, the supplier and those kind of things, and maybe the commodities, and we use that to kind of give suggestions to the, to the end user as to what this probably is gonna be coded for. So they just really have to do accepting of it, but they still have the opportunity to review it. So it's not completely blind. And then that feeds back into the machine. And then we also use it to help with approval workflows where we say, listen, this type of, you, you know, you ordered a computer, everybody who's ordered this laptop, it always gets approved. You know, do we want to have this automatically approved the next time since it's never not approved, that kind of thing, and just have like a report go out. And so we've, we've done it for really just processing uh, components there just to make it a little bit easier for the users. Well, coding is a place where I've seen it used a ton. Uh, yeah. I, I did yeah. some work with a company that had a, so ATA codes in aviation are like the codes the doctor puts on your diagnosis code, right? And there's like three or four different codes you could get for sinusitis. Well, the same thing with ATA, the things that have to get fixed get different codes. And there was a company up in Toronto that I helped to get acquired and they used, uh, they would look, they would use nat natural language processing on the written maintenance records to standardize codes because if there was a, a, a chronic failure, a chronic problem they needed to do, they had to report to the FAA and people were coding them wrong. But then they took that and then pushed it back out to people saying, hey, this is normally coded like this and we've made this change. So it was interesting to see that. I've seen it in the insurance industry and in the healthcare industry as well. Uh, Greg, what have yeah, you seen I've out seen, there? I've seen it in the finance also. It's basically the same type of thing because the you know when you're when you're actually trading bonds and things like that across multi-currency classes, you can actually bring them together yeah. um, using natural language processing and things like that. Um, but back into the um, 
Wow, I've seen so many examples, but uh, I would pick one that in the, I'll go back to the trading systems, is that there's, a, there's an increased usage of machine learning around all the data that's making up any given type of um, um, security and helping traders make those instantaneous decisions on what to trade and what the, ba what the balances are and um, the risks associated with that. Um, and using um, lots of data from trends, past analysis of, of past trades, past data, and bringing those to a forefront very, very quickly um, to make that, to help. And it's not actually making the trade, but it actually puts it up in front of the trader to actually say, here's what we've seen. You can decide what, what to do with it. Yeah. And it's just a constant, you know, a loop that's going on based on what information goes on. Um, and it's a very fast operation to do that. And I've, I've seen stuff in a very slow operation. I, I was working with a company up in Montreal who does machine learning AI for underground hard rock mines. And they, they sniff all the data on a piece of machinery. So they understand all the tele telemetric type stuff on the big equipment and the drills and that type of stuff. And they're able to work backwards from when a break happens, a fault happens, something goes wrong and read the data and start getting, it's a sort of the old predictive. We can tell you, you, you know, GE had a commercial, they knocked on the door to fix the refrigerator. How'd you know it needed to be fixed? Oh, it told us it needed, you know, this is the type of stuff they were doing. That was pretty cool because they could say, ooh, this asset in the mine is gonna break soon. Let's pull it out now so we don't lose whatever time, or let's do this type of maintenance while the truck is out because we know it's about to, to do that type of stuff. It was pretty cool. Steve, what, what have you seen? You know, I don't know anymore what I'm seeing, you know, I mean, uh, Gmail comes up and says, you sent an email to Greg the other day and you haven't heard back. Do you want, you know, here's a reminder that you might want to follow up with them. Uh, it's, it's, it's creeping into my life in ways that I don't notice, except I just go, oh, that, that's convenient. And a buddy of mine is building a website right now with Wix. And he did three or four pages that were basically copies of one another. And Wix came up and said, if you're going to keep doing this, you need to learn dynamic pages. Because you're basically, if, if, if you've got all these pages that are the same, you know, you, dynamic pages is, 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 is a table-driven page and it just mm -hmm. fetches the information from a spreadsheet. Um, and I'm like, that's cool. You know, having, having the software suggest that there's something new you should learn product -led or product, making right? it easier to do my job. Yeah, <laughs> what, I, what I see is that, um, you know, multiple things are going to make it really exciting over time. So the, the number of, you know, devices that are becoming more and more edge intelligent, plus the combination of having, you know, access to large stores and uh, a network that is high speed and reliable over like 5G, you're going to see a tremendous amount of data that comes in um, and you'll be able to fire those back into, you know, it, the, the actual engines themselves have actually be split. So you'll have um, client side machine learning, but also augmented with server side machine learning of crunching of data. And you're going to see these things rapidly go um, very quickly. Um, I would see that happening quickly on on cars as well as like cameras and and you know home security systems. Things like that will happen very very quickly. Um, you know I think 5G is just going to change just because the access the data is going to be like it's just you're just going to have data everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the downside of that is you're going to have data everywhere and you're going to have. Mm -hmm you know who's going to decide that this is garbage data just because well, actually, we support it that's a great right. transition to the rapid fire uh question we have here uh sorry lightning round question what are the product management tasks that are most most likely to gain value from machine learning and ai and it seems like greg you were just talking there about the more data you get it's great because you got the data, but it's terrible because you got all this data. How do you do it? I'd love to get you start with you on this question. Well, I think that, you know, just to add on to what I'm saying is that, you know, 
because you have all this information now, what are the different solutions you're going to have for, for customers' needs? You know, we, you, you talked about, you know, predictive, predictive failure rates um, for mining equipment. That, that occurs on airlines and, and every, everywhere where it's really expensive. You're going to see that in many, many cases where the, the car is going to get smarter and smarter and smarter for you or home security or, you know, everything around kind of like if you put a pie chart around your life, it's like the, you know, you're going to start seeing machine learning helping you with decisions around your entire life. Um, that that may be helpful or may not be, um, but that's where product managers are going to come in and say, now that I have all this, what what are the solutions that I want for customers? And it's just going to become mm -hmm. bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And to a point we didn't really talk about, but Greg, you were implying strongly is there's also pretty quickly, you know, a privacy ethical scenario here that we're already in. I know, you know, I feel like Google's good and, you know, first do no harm or whatever their, their slogan is. Uh, so <clears throat> they've got a lot of my data and I've got a nest and I've got, you know, their, their home automation stuff but I'm messing around with other kinds of home automation through my Amazon devices and it's starting to freak me out. I mean, I'm getting this third party app that's written, but it has like Chinese and in, in uh, Mandarin or something in the copyright notice. And they're like, uh, what is your email? What is your Wi-Fi password? And I'm like, who am I telling this to? <clears throat> so, you know, I've returned almost everything I've bought from Amazon that wasn't made by Amazon. And I, pretty sure I trust Amazon. <laughs> I don't trust Amazon or Google. I, I, I'm using Apple as my main data source outside of Gmail for work and, and part personal. But, you know, too many times we, you know, especially with Amazon, when we had our whatever plugged in, it was like getting a little creepy. Uh, Steve, that's, what do and you I think that's where it comes down to the from a product point of view, where is where's that line that it's helpful versus creepy? Mm -hmm. um, and that that's that's the interesting part. And, I, you know, I think that you're absolutely right, Steve, is ethics and privacy become become really interesting. That's why I say that, you know, things kind of get thrown to the edge where you keep it within your own private system. Um, so if they, you know, if they could guarantee you that all your data was actually only within your device and never got out, mm -hmm. that's, I think that's a different thing, which is where Apple comes from. Yeah. Uh, versus mm -hmm. like, hey, we're just going to take all this anonymous information and, you know, use our big, big machines to help augment that. Right. Yeah. That's a different, Make it better for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, but, you know, I think the privacy really becomes um, fascinating. It's a fascinating, um, it is fascinating area. Yeah. Okay. Lightning round. So I'm going to say <laughs> yeah. that. Back uh, to the. <laughs> the product management tasks most likely to gain value from this would be story mapping. I mean, just understanding the journey within the product. Um, and then from a product marketing standpoint, the same thing, buyer journey mapping. Okay. Jason. Yeah, I'll have to agree with Steve since I'm really having a hard time thinking about where we can actually help product managers, except for obviously, you know, just giving more in our toolkit to think about um, and where, uh, and with the applications we create, where this can be utilized, kind of what Greg is saying, um, and make sure that we provide the value to do that, not just uh, create ML for ML's sake. Yeah. Greg, any oh. other any other thoughts no, on this? That's absolutely correct. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a tool. So, hey, we'll just create another machine learning. I completely agree, Jason, as we'll just why not? And it's like, should <laughs> purpose. It has to be purpose driven. I, I'm going to say where it's going to help the most is in troubleshooting and usability because it's going to be able to see the trends of where people get stuck and how they get stuck and why they get stuck and whether it's putting it back into, you know, a product led growth thing of giving people suggestions, you know, maybe it goes into the story, the journey of how they use the software. But I think that it's going to help a ton on, on that front helping make it more usable because you're you're each time you see trends and in, in data happening it's going to help improve how hey it's clippy right oh you're trying to <laughs> you're stuck here let me tell you this right and i think each time it can, it can go for further with that uh you know what with that said we're at the end of our conversation uh we do this every week 
uh, question day in the uh, community poll on Wednesday and this incredibly great conversation on the uh, Friday. I appreciate you guys, your time, uh, your insights and input. Uh, always a great time. Always one of my favorite discussions. And I, this is one where, you know, to Steve's point, you know, Greg, I, we're probably going to have to do a, a, a webinar on data and machine learning and AI and help us understand better everything out there. Uh, but it, I, I, it always pushes me to think and learn and I change my opinions because I'm listening to people who I value their, their thoughts. So thank you guys so much. Have a great weekend and we'll see thank you, you next time. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.